Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's time for Sorallo Sports Talk with Joe Sorallo. Let's get it started. Sorallo Sports Talk with me, Joe Sorallo, right here, right now, for the next hour on Sports Map Radio. It's the Believe Hour right here for Sorallo Sports Talk, and we've got a ton to get to. The Yankees with the first domino falling of major trades right here in the home stretch leading up to the August 2nd trade deadline. We're going to dive into that who the next pieces might be for the Yankees, for other teams across Major League Baseball. We've got training camp news. Julio Jones is a Tampa Bay Buck going back to the NFC South, where, of course, he solidified his future Hall of Fame career with the Atlanta Falcons for so many years, teaming up with Tom down in Tampa. I can't wait to see the magic that those two are going to produce. We've got so much more from NFL training camp. Jimmy G., We're going to talk Bengals, Giants. We're going to get to everything and plus, and maybe most importantly, my man Josh Booty joins the show. Josh Booty, former LSU legend at quarterback, played for the Cleveland Browns, also played for the 97 and 98 Florida Marlins. We're going to talk Big Poppy's Hall of Fame induction, training camp latest, and more, plus some stuff with his company, Bula, that is set to debut in just weeks. Can't wait to see what that incredible app and incredible company has in store Let's dive in to this New York Yankees trade. Andrew Benatendi, Benny to the Bronx. I mean, you know, it's hard for me as a Yankee hater, as a Mets fan, to fall in love with this trade, but it really is perfection. And it's Brian Cashman doing exactly what he needed to do following my Mets beating up on the Yanks back-to-back nights at Citi Field in the Subway Series. I I mean, look. The Yankees did not have a hit in two games against the Mets, did not have a hit. I believe they were 0 for 16 with runners in scoring position. So what did they do? In anti-Yankee fashion, they didn't get the all-or-nothing Bronx Bomber big slugger. They got one of the best contact hitters in baseball this year. And that's why I commend the Yankees for this trade, and that's why I absolutely love this trade. Andrew Benatendi is a breath of fresh air for the New York Yankees who have Aaron Judge who yes he's hitting 290 but is still to an extent a bit of an all-or-nothing hitter. I mean he had one hit in the Subway Series and it was a home run in the first inning of game one. What did he do against Mad Max Scherzer last night? Man oh man Max sunned him. Max Scherzer sunned Aaron Judge. He made him look silly. He put sliders wherever he wanted. He threw the Deathly, scary, righty-on-righty changeup that so many pitchers can't throw, won't throw, are understandably afraid to throw. Well, Max had onions last night, to quote Bill Raftery in that game. He put any pitch he want, wherever he wanted, challenged him not too often, but a couple times with some high heat, reached back instead of 94, gave Aaron a little 97, how you doing up in the zone. I mean, Max Scherzer just put on an absolute clinic against Aaron Judge that we're going to dive a little deeper into. But you've got Judge, you've got Stanton, who is completely all or nothing, you know, to a T 
Joey Gallo was all or nothing. This year, he's just nothing. So the Yankees needed a guy like Andrew Benatendi to complement DJ LeMayhew to be a left-handed and this year, frankly, a better version of DJ LeMayhew on a team that just absolutely mashes home runs. I mean, the guys I just mentioned, I didn't even mention Anthony Rizzo, of course, Glaber Torres, who's having, you know, not a great year from a batting average stance, but if you look at his power numbers, he's another guy hit a home run in the Subway Series last night. Uh, I mean, Andrew Benatendi is exactly what the Yankees need if they're going to be legitimate. And I know it's weird I'm saying legitimate because they have the best record in baseball, but if they're going to be legitimate, World Series contenders because right now and you see it when the two teams have played head-to-head right now the Houston Astros are a step ahead of the Yankees they have much better and deeper pitching they have I think a more consistent lineup you know Jordan Alvarez is the insane power bat but the Astros do a better job one to nine of getting on base than the Yankees do and not relying so much on the all-or-nothing approach Uh, but really it comes down to pitching with Houston And so adding Benatendi to fortify that lineup, to be a 320 hitter who can get on base, who can work deep counts, who's not just swinging out of his shoes on every pitch, it's a picture-perfect trade. And the reason I give the Yankees an A for this trade is not just because they got Benatendi, it's because they gave up damn near nothing. You know, at first glance, you might look and say, whoa, they gave up three pitching prospects. They didn't give up a top 20 prospect. Not a single pitcher the Yankees gave up is a top 20 prospect. Not a single pitcher the Yankees gave up is past double A, or even in double A, rather. They're all A ball pitchers, uh, one of whom is 24 years old. If you're 24 and you're an A ball, there is a really slim chance that you're making it to the big leagues. And so, Kansas City, you know, I, I know that they are far out of it. And I guess for them, you know, this may have been the best offer for Benatendi. I would have waited another three, four days. I mean, if you're the Kansas City Royals, why are you just giving them up for nothing? Three pitchers, the Royals, in my honest opinion, they'll be lucky if one of those guys makes it to the big leagues and it'll probably be as a reliever if they do. I mean, this is a team that really lacks pitching, needs pitching, and I don't think they got any guys that are going to help this team in the future for Benatendi. Again, I know, you know, it's tough. It's a walk year for Benatendi. What could they have gotten? I don't know what other teams would have been willing to offer, especially with Benatendi not being vaccinated. I don't know how much that played a factor, although he said he told the Royals if he got traded to a contender, he'd get the shot. And he's going to need it, man. He's in, he's in the same division as the Toronto Blue Jays. The Blue Jays are going to be a playoff team. They might meet again in October, if not, you know, a few more times in the regular season. Andrew Benatendi is going to need that damn shot if he's going to really help the Yankees down the stretch. But as far as what the Yankees did, it's an incredible trade because their lineup got exposed the last two nights at Citi Field. I mean, the Mets ran out their two best healthy pitchers so far this season. Jake DeGrom's on his way, but obviously hasn't pitched an inning at the MLB level yet this year. And Taiwan Walker and Mad Max Scherzer just, you know, in my opinion, had the gutsiest pitching performances of the year. You know, I don't think either of them had their prettiest performance. Although, you know, how can you? I mean, this is a World Series caliber lineup. You're going up against Aaron Judge and Anthony Rizzo and Josh Donaldson and Glaber Torres and DJ LeMayhew in a row with no break until you get to, you know, maybe Kiner Falefa at, you know, eighth in the lineup. It's tough. And so it's not going to be, you know, an easy, seamless day in the office for either of those guys. But Taiwan Walker, what he did, giving up those two early bombs and buckling down, 
giving the Mets six beautiful innings of work. That was just gutsy. And then Max Scherzer challenging the Yankees' best hitters, challenging, let's call him what he is, the best hitter in baseball this year in Aaron Judge. Now, you know, I mentioned the 290 average. Obviously, there are guys hitting better, but you pair that with 37 home runs. No one in the bigs is close to Aaron Judge for the MLB lead in home runs. He's second in RBI only to Pete Alonso. He's the best hitter in baseball this year, folks. And Max Scherzer made him look like a minor leaguer. 38-year-old Max Scherzer turned 38 yesterday. On his birthday, by the way, 0.82 career ERA. Most strikeouts of any pitcher past Randy Johnson last night on his birthday. He's got 41. Randy's got 39. He just had an all-time performance challenged him reached back for those extra mph on his heater got up to 97 at times but put slider after slider wherever he wanted to and look aaron judge he's got the best slugging percentage in baseball this year on fastballs and breaking balls talked about it on my mets podcast believe in queens with my incredible co-hosts anthony record the former met and my buddy tyler ward but where Judge has struggled all year is off-speed stuff, meaning splitters like Taiwan Walker and change-ups like Max Scherzer. Even though Judge has been slugging the crap out of sliders and curveballs, Max's slider was different because Judge struggles on sliders low and away. If you hang one, he's going to make you pay. Max threw him a ton, did not hang a single one. And that's what makes him a future Hall of Famer. That's what makes Max Scherzer one of the best pitchers to ever toe the rubber. Because he threw Aaron Judge, I want to say 10, 10, 11 sliders on the night, didn't make a single mistake. It's easy to throw three great sliders. Well, not easy, but you know it's doable to throw three great sliders in a five-pitch sequence. But to go five for five, to go 10 for 10, to never miss your spot, Max Scherzer, man. That's why the Mets are built for October. I can't wait to see what they do with the trade deadline coming up because the Yankees got their reinforcement. The Mets are definitely going to need a reinforcement or two in the bullpen, in the lineup. They need help at the DH position. But when it comes to starting pitching, the Mets are built for October. And I really hope we get to see these two teams again. When we come back, the latest on NFL training camp. Can Julio get that ring this time? Not against Tom, but with him, all that and more. Stick with me, Joe Serralo, right here on Serralo Sports Talk. All right, back here on Serralo Sports Talk with me, Joe Serralo. You're locked into the Believe Hour right here, right now on Sports Map Radio. And it is amazing to see all 32 teams back in training camp for the NFL Guys, you know, it's, it's a day that ends in Y. So there's football news circulating. Julio Jones is a buck. Jimmy G will no longer be a 49er. Mike Shanahan and company came out, or Kyle Shanahan and company came out rather earlier in the week saying Trey Lance is their guy. So let's start right there. Jimmy G, what's the best landing spot for Jimmy Garoppolo? Well, I've heard early murmurs, early rumors, and that's exactly what they are. They're rumors that the Houston Texans are in on Jimmy G. And I think that that is absolutely not where Garoppolo belongs. Look, first off, they've got a first-year coach. I know he's a veteran coach, but first year with Houston in Lovey Smith. I think Jimmy G wants to go to a team where there's been a little more offensive continuity, where he can, you know, maybe look at an outside shot at the wild card. And that's why I think Jimmy G is meant to stay in the NFC because the Houston Texans, let's be honest, they're probably not going to be a playoff team in the near future. 
The AFC is absolutely stacked, locked, and loaded. But the Texans also have their guy. They have their quarterback who they're committed to and who they should be committed to. And that's Davis Mills. Davis Mills is one of the top three second-year quarterbacks in this league, in my opinion. I mean, you look at what he did last year. And he wasn't even included in the top five, right? He was the odd man out. You had Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Mac Jones, Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, right? Davis Mills was an afterthought going into last season compared to those five first round picks. I think Davis Mills is better than Mac Jones. I think if Davis Mills played in New England last year, that the Patriots would have been able to throw the ball more than three times against the Buffalo Bills in primetime. I think Davis Mills is going to be more successful in the near future than Justin Fields. Now, you all know I love Justin Fields. I also think that Justin Fields got the worst deal of any quarterback drafted, not this past April, but April 2021 in that draft class. I mean, the Chicago Bears, you can see reports from training camp today through a pass to Nikhil Harry that was picked off by Eddie Jackson after it bounced off Harry's hands. I mean, it's another day in Chicago, right? They have the worst wide receiver core in football. Didn't make a competitive offer to try to keep Allen Robinson. And who could blame Allen Robinson for wanting the hell out? The Chicago Bears may be the worst team in football this year. The Houston Texans are not. They're better than the Bears. Davis Mills, I think, is set up to have a more successful year than Justin Fields. It wouldn't shock me. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and say this right now. Davis Mills is the best second-year quarterback in his own division. I think Davis Mills is going to have a better year than Trevor Lawrence. I mean, and I think, you know, right now from what we've seen, we haven't seen much of Trey Lance. I I think Davis Mills has the potential to be as good as any second year quarterback in the NFL. So when you look at Jimmy G, I think Houston is not a spot at all for Garoppolo. Look, again, I'm not trying to get too high on the Texans right now. This is not a team I view as a playoff team this season, but I view Davis Mills as just as good as any second year quarterback in the league. I think he's got a great head coach in Lovey Smith who is not going to micromanage. You know, Lovey's a great defensive mind. I think he's going to give Mills some freedom. There are going to be growing pains, but when you look at some of the other second-year quarterbacks, you know, like I said, Trey Lance is definitely the biggest question mark because we didn't see him. Zach Wilson probably should have the best year because the Jets have upgraded the offensive line and Wilson's weapons so drastically under Robert Salah's team. So Zach Wilson should probably have the best year after him. I mean, Again, you know, if Davis Mills played for New England, this is the biggest point for me. I think the Patriots might have actually had, not might have, would have had a better offense. Might have been better as a team, but would have surely had a better offense a season ago with Davis Mills over Mac Jones. So the Texans are not where I see Jimmy G going. I see Jimmy Garoppolo landing more so with in Atlanta. Now, Seattle is the obvious choice because he is just leaps and bounds better than Drew Locke and Geno Smith. But will the Niners deal with the Seahawks? It wouldn't shock me just because even with Jimmy G, Seattle's ceiling is, let's call it what it is, last place in the NFC West, right? Jimmy G is not going to go in there and be the savior and lead them to the playoffs, but he'd be, I think, better for DK Metcalf than either of the two options they have, better for, you know, retaining guys in Seattle, keeping guys happy like DK, who currently is a holdout. I think Jimmy G would definitely be a more respectable option. And maybe the difference between the Seahawks going 4-13 and versus 7-10 and and actually competing 
in some games. But I think Atlanta is the best spot for him. Look, Marcus Mariota, as much as I love him, and as great as the glimpses of his talent that we've seen have been, he can't stay healthy, right? He's just too fragile. Mariota's dealt with too many injury problems throughout his career. He cannot be a healthy, consistent option at quarterback. Now, when you look at the next man up in Atlanta, I love Desmond Ritter. In fact, I'm on record saying Desmond Ritter was my favorite quarterback from last year's draft class. Him and Matt Corral, I actually, watching them in college, enjoyed watching their tape, and I see more potential in their games than Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett. Now, the big thing is, I think Kenny Pickett probably has the highest floor of all of those guys. Matt Corral and Desmond Ritter have a little more boomer bust potential, but I think that those guys have a higher ceiling than Pickett than Willis. I can't wait to see Desmond Ritter in Atlanta when it's his time. And even though he's one of the older quarterbacks from last year's draft class, I just don't think it's his time yet. And I think Ritter needs a full season to sit out. And with Mariota in front of him on the depth chart, he might not have the luxury of a full season to sit out because of Mariota's injury problems. So I think Jimmy G is the clear guy. I think Atlanta also has more enticing weapons on offense. I think Atlanta has a better offensive line than Seattle, than Houston. So I think that Jimmy G going to Atlanta, look, it's probably not going to make the Falcons a playoff team, but the NFC is wide open. So that's where he belongs. An NFC team that if they shock the world some way, somehow, and win nine games, has a shot, a very outside shot, but a shot at potentially making the playoffs, right? Jimmy G doesn't want to throw the year away. He doesn't want to throw his career away. Even if it's an outside shot, this is a guy who's been proven, say what you want about him, I don't think he's a top 20 quarterback in the league, but he's been proven to be a winner. And if you go to Atlanta and you get Drake London, who I think the world of as a rookie wideout, you get Kyle Pitts, who even though he didn't have the touchdowns last year, had one of the best, if not the best rookie seasons we've ever seen from a tight end. And tight ends are known historically to make the biggest jump from year one to year two. It's hard being a rookie tight end in the National Football League. You've got to block pros. You've got to receive against pros. It's, I think, the toughest position for rookies to succeed and excel at. Pitts did a hell of a job last year. That year two tight end jump that we've seen so many times, give him a quarterback like Jimmy G, the Atlanta Falcons could actually win some games and scare some teams, at least put up some damn fights. So no to Houston. Seattle, I just don't think makes that much sense. Atlanta, to me, is the team that should go out and get Jimmy G. I know it'll be to be a crowded quarterback room, but Desmond Ritter needs a full year. Marcus Mariota might not be able to give it to him. Jimmy G should be your week one starter for the Atlanta Falcons. Let's talk about a former Falcon, though. Julio Jones going to Tampa Bay. I couldn't love this move anymore. Look, I don't want to see Tom Brady win another Super Bowl. But if he does it and Julio Jones finally gets to hoist up the Lombardi trophy and finally gets a ring on his finger, I can't complain. Come on, Julio Jones deserved the Super Bowl, right? 28-3, you all know the drill. We all know the story. The Falcons and the Patriots in Houston, Super Bowl 51. I think Julio Jones is going to have a hell of a year because he doesn't have to be the number one receiver. You know, he went to Tennessee last year and he had these high expectations. He was a top two wideout for Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill was nothing special last year, right? I mean, look, give him credit. The Titans, of course, they had the one seed. That's no small feat. Ryan Tannehill, did you watch that playoff game? Come on. The Bengals tried to gift it to Tennessee late in the fourth quarter with turnovers, and the Titans gave it right back. 
Their defense did the job. Derrick Henry wasn't himself because he was injured because they rely too heavily on him. Ryan Tannehill is not that guy. It's plain and simple, folks. Julio Jones at 33 years old, I still believe, has two or three years of really good football left in the tank. And when you're asking him to be a third option on an offense, my goodness, I think he's going to excel in Tampa Bay. You look at Tom Brady's weapons. You've got Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, two wide receiver ones. Evans a sure, I think, future Hall of Famer. You've got Julio Jones, who is a sure future Hall of Famer, as your wideout three. And Russell Gage, who was great with the Falcons last year, who is a really damn good wideout, who could be a plus number three option on, I think, any team in the NFL. Russell Gage is their fourth option. I mean, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have a fool's riches of options at wide receivers, and I don't think they're going to miss Gronk all that much. By the way, Gronk's coming back. Rob Gronkowski is not going to start the year with Tampa Bay. Doesn't want to go through training camp for the 11th, 12th time in his career, whatever it is by now. Rob Gronkowski is going to be a Buccaneer by November. You can mark my words. That is a guarantee. By November, Rob Gronkowski will be a Buccaneer. So Brady's going to have those four wideouts I just mentioned. They just brought in Kyle Rudolph, who's a veteran who's had a hell of a career. And Rob Gronkowski is going to be a Buck before the playoffs, before I think midseason. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, folks, they are the best team in the NFC. I'm sorry to the Rams. No disrespect to the Rams. It's a two-team race, and if the Rams somehow go back to the Super Bowl, it's a tough thing to do in this league. It will not surprise me in the least. But the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you look at their front seven, you look at their offensive weapons. I mean, it's it's just plain and simple. It's a two-team race in the NFC, guys. Tampa and the Rams, pick your poison. It's like, you know, I'm picking the Bucks. You could tell me the Rams, and I won't bat an eye. And, and it's it's hard to argue, you know? I just don't think Brady would lose to Stafford two years in a row in the postseason at the end of the day. That's what it comes down to for me. But those are the two best teams in the NFC. I can't wait to see Julio Jones suiting up on the same offense as Tom Brady. You know what else I can't wait for? My man, Josh Booty. He's on the line. He's joining the show. Stick with me, Joe Serralo, right here, right now on Serralo Sports Talk. Josh Booty's up next. You're locked in to Sports Map Radio. We're back here on Serralo Sports Talk with me, Joe Serralo, and joining the show next, he is one of my favorite guests, also a good friend, former LSU quarterback, former NFL quarterback, and former Miami Marlin, although I guess they were the Florida Marlins back then. My man, Josh Booty. Josh, how you doing? I'm doing awesome. Yeah, the Florida-Miami comparison scenario uh, ages me a little bit when you talk about <laughs> the Marlins in 97, baby. I was start opening day in 98 with you know, when Wayne Huizinga was still there and, uh, of course, he passed a year or two ago, that, that's uh, terrible for, for him and his family. Awesome family, Huizinga. But he, he bought a world championship in 97. I got to come up at the end of the year and it was super fun to be on that team with Sheffield and Moise Zalou and Kevin Brown and Al Leiter. You're a New Yorker. You know Al Leiter. Yes, Some sir. of the big-name players, you know, of the past. Yeah, man. I mean, look, you, you played with some stars down there, but last week, we were hanging out with some stars and you know, there's nothing better than the two, three times a year that I get to see you. It's always a great time. There's usually A-list athletes there. And last week we were celebrating big poppy, David Ortiz at his hall of fame party out here in LA before he of course had to catch a jet to Cooperstown. You know, everyone knows how incredible big poppy was on the field, 
right? And what he meant to the Red Sox, 04, coming back from 3-0 in the ALCS, everything he accomplished after, you know, the Twins wrote him off. I mean, he wasn't even traded to Boston. People don't realize the Twins just cut him. And so when you look at Poppy, you, you see the great player, the larger-than-life figure, but you know him on a personal level. So off the field, I got to ask you, man, who is Big Poppy? What makes David Ortiz such a special, not just ball player, but human? I think he enjoys life. You know, the, a lot of the Latin culture is to have fun, enjoy life, not take things too seriously. And I think that's what kind of made him who he was, even in those clutch situations where he was so dominant or had, you know, game-winning hits or RBIs or home runs. I mean, I can remember time after time. It was almost like, you know, when I was a kid, it was Reggie Jackson, Mr. October, come up with the big hits, uh, you know, in Yankee Stadium or, or in the big moments. And then when I was an adult, you know, you, you remember things like maybe Derek Jeter hitting an opposite field hit uh, or, uh, you know, in 97, Renteria uh, scored counsel on a big winning uh, game winning hit. But it was Big Poppy who did it over and over and over. It wasn't just one. It was like I can remember six or seven big time hits where it was in the clutchest of situations. And I think that just attributes to his personality being, you know what, I'm going to go up there and make something good happen. You know, and it wasn't like he was putting too much pressure on himself, even in the biggest moments when, uh, you know, there's millions and millions of people watching. And of course, people uh, standing, uh, standing room only in, in the stadiums. I mean, I think that's what makes him so much fun to watch. He enjoyed playing. There's always a big smile on his face. You never really saw him down or pouting. You know, he always picked himself up. And he had great guys on that, that, that uh, you know, 04 team when they won the World Series and reversed the curse to kind of help him or mentor him probably. Guys like Kevin Millar and Veritek and, and guys that have played a lot of baseball. I know even Manny Ramirez, uh, we were talking about him the other day, is he was such a, gift, a gifted player. You know, he always could, could hit, right? And I think Poppy probably had to lean on some of those uh, older guys to realize, um, you know, that this stuff can be done. I mean, he was around great players at a young age. He came up with the Twins and then uh, was with the Red Sox early, you know, in his career. And you, when you play on a big market club like that in Boston, you have to produce. And he was able to do that, you know, with, uh, with flying colors, man. The guy was just awesome. Yeah, he, he absolutely was. You know, for me growing up, obviously, you know, I'm a big Mets fan. Poppy was my favorite non-Met of all time to watch growing up. In fact, when I was 12, I, I don't know if I've ever told you this story all the times we've talked, but when I was 12, I played in the Little League World Series, not in Williamsport, but, you know, the preliminary stuff, and was in a very Dominican town. I was, in fact, I think I was one of three white kids on the team. Of our 12 kids, I think it was like nine Dominican kids and then three white kids. And I played first base. I was 12 years old. I was 180 pounds. I was... A lot built a lot different. <laughs> so, you know, playing first base, hitting cleanup. I'm like five, six, a buck 80. I walk up to the plate and all my teammates are yelling, vamos, big poppy, vamos, big poppy. So I loved him because my teammates were calling me big poppy when I was a 12 year old. So hilarious. Yeah. I mean, like I said, larger than life, all the kids yeah. could relate because he looked like he was having a good time. And when we're kids playing or when you were a kid playing, always looked up to the guys that looked like they were enjoying themselves or having fun. It's like the Griffies of the world is like the guys that are smiling. Sammy Sosa had so much fun in the outfield, you know, with the fans. It's like Poppy do his gloves, you know, ready to 
I, I love that because he brought something extra to the game. A lot of times those guys are Latin because they have a little bit of flair, and that's what Big Poppy did. And Millar's had a had a story I think at the event where he was like Poppy was struggling. He came to the he came to the to Fenway uh, to the to the parking lot and he was driving like a, a Ford pickup truck and he had none, no jewelry on and he was struggling and he wasn't feeling too good. He's kind of moping and Millar's like, Hey, where's the big poppy? I know I need the gold chains. I need the Ferrari or the Lamborghini that you drive to the park. And poppy goes, that's right. That's right. I need to come like myself. Right. And the next day he brings a Ferrari or Lamborghini, all his gold walks in like poppy. And then he starts, you know, going on a tear. And I think that's what uh, is impressive about him is that, you know, star athletes like that, they got to be themselves. So you can't hold a guy like Poppy back. You can't hold a guy like Barry Bonds back or these guys that are just super-duper players. They, they got to be themselves. Uh, that's really how they showcase their personalities. And it's fun for a guy like that to see him go from, you know, coming in up the minor leagues to now in the Hall of Fame. I've seen his whole career. I've been around him a lot of, a lot at times and uh, just so so proud of the guy. Yeah, man. Kevin Millar with one of the funniest stories telling Poppy, no wonder you're not hitting the ball. You're dressed like a white boy. I mean, that was <laughs> that was the, that was the highlight of last week's party. It was amazing. Look, I, I know you and Kev are good buddies, and I know that Kevin's also highly involved with you and your brother's company, Bula. You got the hat on right now. You're repping it. I've, of course, done a lot of work with you guys, and I can't wait to do a lot more. So for the audience out there, man, tell everyone what Bula's got coming, what it is and what's coming up this fall. Yeah, we appreciate you being a being a great brand ambassador for us, and we're super excited, man. Always fun to hang, have have you at events and do stuff with you uh, as well. So we are going to be the first ever social call to action or social challenge app. Uh, we're going to go live in September, right for football season. We're doing a lot of university marketing campaigns, some NIL deals. We're going to be in Atlanta week one for Georgia, Oregon. Week two, we're we're uh, Bama at Texas in Austin, and we've got other. Uh, events down the road, one at Bama, one at LSU during the football season. But we're a social challenge app, man, where you can memorialize a challenge, dare, wager in 10 or 15 seconds for the whole world to see. Uh, Bula is the name of the company. We're so excited about Bula means wishing you luck or life. So it's just a platform. It's, uh, you know, in, in all present, in, in all social so far, really, that we have TikTok, Snap, Instagram, when we post content, it's all past the present really it's okay me and you were at the game or me and you were at poppy's event and then everybody sees it this kind of gives you present to future going i bet you i bula you that that new york giants won't win seven games this year for 100 bucks or it can be a video game for pizza or for pride or there's going to be tokenization there's going to it's all on the blockchain so it's web three stuff we've never seen anything like this and our our uh, our tech team has done a wonderful job getting this thing ready it's been a long time coming We've been working on a year and a half, as you know, um, but Bula's out there. We love our brand. We love our little Bula guy, the Koa warrior. Um, you'll see it, BulaChallenge.com, for those of you who, who uh, want to see uh, what we're up to before it actually launches. I love it, man. Look, I can't wait to be a part of this. Obviously, you know, I've been coming along for the ride for the past year and a half. There's a lot of good things to come. And, you know, I, I might have mentioned this to you before we started recording, but I did recently get back on the bump and... You know, man, I, I know that you used to be able to handle the bat pretty well. I think that could be our first bullet together. See if you can keep up with my fastball. I'm ready to fly to L.A. Right <laughs> I love it. I love it. Let's rent out Dodger Stadium and I'll get uh, you get 10 swings on me, man. It'll be uh, it'll be a good time. Hey, you know, what was that? 
I said, I want that little 90 mile hour fat fastball over the <laughs> right over the plate, baby. <laughs> hey, look, it's not the fastball I'm going to get by you, man. It's the slider. I want to see if you could stay on the slider. You got me there. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Hey, man, look, you know, you're down in Florida and you're a former quarterback yourself. We got to talk about the best quarterback in the state right now. Tom Brady just got Julio Jones. I mean, it's probably, I would imagine, Tom's last year. Obviously, he's got that great deal from Fox just waiting whenever he's ready to take it. Man, do you think with Julio out there, with Russell Gage, it's pretty good two-for-one to replace Antonio Brown. Does he have the weapons? Is he going to be able to do it in Tampa this year? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think he's got a really good chance. I was looking at, I was in Vegas the last couple of days looking at the odds on the big board and how they even changed when they signed Julio. And I, I think Julio's got more in the tank. When you when you put a guy like that who was one of the premier wide receivers in the league for a decade with a guy like Brady, he's going to make Julio better. He uh, Hold him a little bit more accountable than he's probably been held uh, accountable in the last several years of his career. And Julio's going to want to bring his best to the table. They've got a lot of primetime games, right? When you step in to a Yankee state, a Yankee uniform, or you go play with Tom Brady, or you're a Laker or a Celtic, you're going to get all those primetime games. So it's like now you got to step your game up. So I promise you, Julio's kind of getting pushed uh, really by society saying, okay, let's see what you got, big boy. Can you and Brady go do something special? Julio's never won a Super Bowl. This is going to be awesome for him. He, had, he got real close against Brady when they were up 28 to three several yeah. years five or six years ago. So this is Julio's chance to win one before he retires and kind of solidify himself as one of the greats to ever play the game. He's already, we already know he's one of the most talented receivers ever. Six, three, six, four, the hands. He's done everything in, in his career that he's, he's had to do to showcase he's one of the best, but now you're playing on a team with Tom Brady. Uh, and when, when Tom Brady is there, you know, you can get the ball at any time. So he's going to, he's live at any time in terms of, you got to be ready for the ball every play. Kyle Rudolph was a great uh, pickup as well at tight end because they're losing Gronk. And I don't know if Gronk will stay gone forever. I still think he's going to come back. But I'm Rudolph, with you, man. <laughs> I think Rudolph solidifies that situation a little bit in case that Gronk doesn't come back. And then uh, their defense is always solid. So if they can stay healthy or be healthy at the right time, I think Tampa, along with several other teams, have a real good chance of making and winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, I'm with you, man. Look, even Gronk's girlfriend, Camille, came out and said it the other day that she doesn't think this is a forever retirement. I'm thinking week 10, Brady gets on the phone, Gronk's down in Tampa in two seconds. It's, you know, it, it just, it, it can't happen. You don't want to go through training camp, you know, and I think maybe some of the early games he can afford to not be there, but I, you know, I'd love to see him play selfishly. I love watching Gronk on the field. There's nothing like 87 rumbling, stumbling down the field, carrying people, you know, as he goes and making big catches. We've grown to just absolutely fall in love with, with that and his game. So it's fun to watch big Gronk, even on blocking downs and, you know, he just covers up defensive ends and defensive players in the run game. And so he's a special, special player. But uh, if he never comes back, boy, did we get a treat getting to watch a guy like that play because he was just a freak of nature and a monster. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. Look, hey, I, we only got about a minute left, but another quarterback you've got ties with that I've got to ask you about your LSU fellow alum, Joey Burrow out in Cincinnati. You know, recent years, we've seen a bit of a dip off, bit of a decline from the losing team in the Super Bowl the following year. Now, people are saying we should expect that with Cincinnati. They're saying, oh, well, Lamar's going to you know, have more weapons. The Ravens are going to be healthy. I'm saying the Bengals are still the team to beat in that division, man. What are your thoughts about the Bengals going into this year with Chase and Burrow? 
I think so. I think they're still the team to be. Now, I do respect and fear Lamar Jackson if I'm a Cincinnati Bengals. I think with the situation with Deshaun Watson has a lot to do with the Browns in that division as well. The Steelers, of course, are going to play with a rookie quarterback, it looks like, and Kenny Pickett uh, potentially uh, this year. So that that might set them back just a little bit in that division. They've always had Roethlisberger there for the last 15 years to give them a, a real shot at that division. So I think it is a two-horse race. It's the Ravens and it's the Bengals, and the Bengals have – probably the most talented young group of players, especially on the offensive side of the ball that there are in the league. Uh, Jamar Chase is wonderful. Mixon's wonderful. They've got a nucleus of guys there that can really place. And, and Joe Burrow, I don't think he's such a, he's such a confident player. He's not like a one and done type of guy. We've seen guys go to the Super Bowl and then not go back to it like a Rex Grossman, or uh, I, I don't even want to name other names. Um, you know, some of these guys are friends of mine, Jake DeLome. I mean, Trent Dilfer, I mean, these guys get to the Super Bowl. Dilfer won a Super Bowl uh, in his case, but they're just not as talented as Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow's young, fresh legs. He's come off the injury. If he doesn't get hurt again, then you know he's going to have solid, uh, you know, weeks, week in and week out. And that's all you can ask for in a quarterback is to show up and be consistent. And that's what Burrow does mentally, physically, uh, I think emotionally. You know, he's, he's so stable and everybody looks to him and he, you can say he's a little cocky. You can think whatever you want. He, he's done something that no one else has been able to do in Cincinnati since Boomer Esiason. And that's to get him to the Super Bowl. And it's fun to watch. I think it comes with the name. If your name's Joe, you're just going to naturally be a little cocky by nature. But he's the real deal, man. I love it. Josh, thanks so much for joining the show. Thanks for having me, man. Anytime. You're the man. Appreciate you. We'll be back with my final word on this episode of Serralo Sports Talk. All right, it's time for my final word on this week's episode of Serralo Sports Talk with me, Joe Serralo. What a great spot right there with my man, Josh Booty. There are few people in, forget about sports, in the world that I love talking to, that I love hanging out with more than Josh. It's always a good time. 13 minutes just aren't enough for the stories that we've got and the conversations that we have. Love having him on. Can't wait to see what happens with Bula this fall. Obviously, you know, he mentioned I'm a brand ambassador with Bula. I can't wait for the college football games we're going to be at in the fall. You're going to be able to see some footage from we're going to Texas, down to Austin. We're going to Alabama, to Baton Rouge for LSU. Maybe a couple others too, but those three are locks. So for all of that footage, for more behind-the-scenes footage, best bets that I give out daily, make sure you hit me on the socials at Joe Serralo on Instagram, at the Joe Serralo on Twitter. And of course, right there, that on Twitter is where I give out my daily bets. So I'm going to leave you with one tonight as part of my final word, Shohei Otani. Over eight and a half strikeouts, you can get this depending on the book at as generous odds as plus 115. My oh my, for a guy who has thrown double digit strikeouts in five consecutive starts to get him over eight and a half against a Texas Rangers team that is in the bottom third in baseball in K rate, averaging 8.9 Ks per game, this has lock written all over it. Shohei Otani, over 8.5Ks, plus 115. Make sure you go hit that. Like I said, double-digit strikeouts in his last five starts. Look, you want my bets? I gave them to you. I've got more every day at Joe Serralo on Instagram, at the Joe Serralo on Twitter. Go check him out. But before we wrap this up, there was one other thing in baseball today that I think is the best thing I've seen all day that I want to touch on, and that is Trey Mancini. 
in what could have possibly been his last at-bat as an Oriole, maybe his last at-bat in Camden Yards, hit an inside-the-park home run against Tampa to lead the fourth place above 500 Orioles to the 3-0 victory. Now look, I don't want to take away from what was an incredible moment, an incredible inside-the-park home run. The ball did hit the right fielder's head. I mean, the right fielder, I think it was low out in Tampa. He lost it in the sun. The ball hit off his cap, and he knocked. He got knocked down. The ball bounced to the corner of the warning track. But nonetheless, look, Trey Mancini is one of the best guys in sports, one of the best stories in sports, the way he beat cancer a couple years ago. So to come back and be one of the most desired names at the deadline... I love it for him. And just like that, this episode of Serralo Sports Talk is up. It's over. It's out of here. Thanks to my man, Josh Booty, for hopping on. Thanks to all of you. I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.